Well, here we are in God's presence. I believe a new day is dawning. And uh, so I want to talk for the next few weeks about resetting revive. Uh, and it's going to be the same message here in person as is online. So if you miss one of the weeks, you can catch up with it and all that kind of stuff. And it'll be on the podcast too, as well as YouTube. Um, and what I want to now, if I just downloaded information for three weeks, that would be incredibly boring, wouldn't it? So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pepper practical information in amongst prophetic stuff, stuff that will be relevant to you and your journey personally, as well as us as a family. So don't worry, I'm not about to do an infomercial for three weeks or anything like that. Um, but uh, if you've been tracking the things that I've been saying over the last 20 months, I believe we've been in a divine reset time, a eh? switching it off and turning it back on again. And uh, I don't know about you, but I found the switching off period uh, really irritating. Anybody on my planet disorientating, annoying. Um, and I'm not saying it's all God, but, you know, I'm not saying God did the pandemic to... To, to shut the church down for a season, but God works all things together for our good. So it's no surprise to me, again, if you follow the stuff I teach, that at this pivotal 500-year moment, 500 years since the Reformation, that some great global pause has gone on, and it was prophesied before it happened, and some of us had dreams about it before it happened. You can find all that stuff online, but it's no surprise to me we're in a remarkable time like this. Um, uh, in February 2020, at our Refresh Leaders Forum, an American prophet who has come to the UK for, I think, 20, maybe 30 years, and he's come in kind of January, February every year and brought the word of the Lord to different churches right around the country every January, February. He felt in February 2020, this is the last trip I'm going to do to the UK and Europe to do this. I just feel it's the end of an era. And so we were privileged that one of the places he came to was to our Refresh Leaders Forum. And in that forum, there must have been about 100 leaders there. He handed every pastor Catch this, in February 2020, he handed every pastor a blank sheet of paper and prophesied, this is what God is about to do to you. He's about to hand you a blank sheet of paper. You're about to go through a restart and a reset and a do-over time where there's going to be the opportunity to start again in God with some fresh alignments and some new things from heaven. If that isn't a prophet, I don't know what is. Anybody on my planet? And, uh, and then even under lockdown for us, uh, Dr. Sharon Stone, who many of you will know, we've tracked with for 25 years, a proven, established prophetic ministry, has come to us in this time and personally prophesied to revive, you're going to have to rip up some old blueprints because they were written for the old era. There are new things that you need to go into the strategy rooms of heaven and grasp and bring for this new season. So over the next three weeks, I'm going to begin to just download some of those things. I don't know uh, everything about where we're going, but I'm beginning to get lines on the blueprint as we, as we pray and as we meet and as we discuss. It's been an incredibly difficult journey, and yet God is speaking. So I hope to inspire you a little bit. Is that okay? Um, a little while ago, um, uh, I, I had a vision in a meeting, and the vision was this. I saw a row of racing yachts lining up to race, and I heard God say, here I come, ready or not. 
as if the wind of God's spirit was about to blow on the sails of our lives and whether we were ready or not, it was going to blow. I don't know about you, I want to be ready for the new era, right? Now, can I say something controversial that will wind some people up? You know that I'm the kind of preacher that does not mind winding people up. I have the gift of irritation, so receive it. It'll bless you. We are not going back to the old normal. If God says blank sheet of paper, if God says new blueprint, I don't know about you, I don't care how many people whine, I'm obeying God, not obeying people. So in other words, something, now listen, there's always going to be worship, there's always going to be prayer, there's always going to be, oh please, well, more barbecues, food, there's always, always going to be ketchup, there's always going to be joy, there's always going to be meetings, there's always going to be, you know, the, the, the basic things of a spiritual life and a life walking in community, the values aren't going to change, but some of the practicalities will. And, and so I, I'll tell you where I'm going, I'm going into the new normal, let's not call it that. I'm going into God's new day. Amen? I'm going into God's new day. It's the, 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 the divine reset has nothing to do with the great reset. I don't know what's going on in the world. It drives me nuts sometimes. I don't know whether it's conspiracy or incompetence. It's probably a wonderful mix of both. But let's not think about it for a minute. Let's be heavenly people. Let's go into God's new day. Amen? Let's get our head in heaven uh, and let's follow God together. So, um, I, I, I'm going to begin to just download one of those changes in a moment. But first, what I want to do is just talk about something that, that oh, see, I did it. Where's Lucy? I, you knew I'd do it. They both, both Lucy and Nigel said, whatever you do, don't point it at the screen to change it because it might not work because actually it's over there. So when every time I shoot Laura, it should change that. But it's not, it's kind of, Laura, press the button, you know, that kind of thing. I want to tell you about, some things that aren't going to change. The vision doesn't change at all. The change is about how we do what we do. Uh, um, the methods and the strategies, they are dependent on time and culture and era, but the vision stays the same. I mean, the vision from, from our master Jesus is going to all the world and preach the gospel, right? That does not change one iota. And then we've expressed that in the culture of our terms, which is inspiring global revival. This is a house born to go to nations around the world to inspire revival to see God move in 1996 I had a vision of the glory of God impacting Europe hitting parliament touching the royal family streets filled with signs wonders and miracles that does not change God doesn't speak and then go oh no I got it wrong and change his mind there are some things that remain and I believe and many prophets around the world would say this there is something of a move of the Holy Spirit coming to our land and who knows we need it right half empty churches all over the the nation we need revival you might not like that word you might prefer fullness or kingdom or harvest I don't care what you call it come on we need the fullness of God in Hull and East Yorkshire and beyond around the world and that's what we're gunning after in God but we're going to change some of our methods of how we get there and our strategies number two equipping extraordinary generations so many words about revive ministering to children and raising up extraordinary generations and, and as well also I just believe there's something on the silver surface in this season 
some, some that were thinking of retirement are about to go into refinement and they're going to end their days not in an armchair. They're going to end up on the mission field. We are about raising up extraordinary people to do extraordinary exploits around the world, to change law, to change education, to change medicine, to transform businesses. It's happening already. Thousands of lives every week are touched by the ministries of this church around the world, transforming nations, and we'll do that. I don't know about you. I want to do it with some jetpack fuel. I want to go up to another level in Jesus, right? But it doesn't change. That's what we're doing. Finally, transforming local communities. If all this doesn't make a difference to a single mum on a Tuesday morning, that she's now debt-free, that she's in a loving spiritual family, that her kids are getting help, that somehow the church is playing a fatherly role, a paternal role in the bit that your church can do that, right? If we're not making a difference, I mean, for a minute, forget the global bit. If we're not making a difference in wet wang, come on, I always choose wet wang. Pick another one. Where should we do? Market Wheaton. If we're not making a difference on the streets of Market Wheaton or the suburbs of Brands Home, then it doesn't work. It's bluster and it's just a vision statement on a wall. There has to be people that said, I was in debt and I'm now debt free. And it's because they carry God. I was sick and I'm healed. I, I, as as a, a, a true testimony, like Michael Lockwood, I was in a wheelchair. I went to a revive meeting. God healed me. And now I can play football with my kids and I can cook for my wife and I've got a busy business that I start. That's what God does. It has to land in local community. Now, none of that changes one bit, but the methods do. Okay? So I just want to go into, I'm just going to tackle one uh, to begin with. Um, and, and the first one is this. I believe God is resetting our posture. The very core of who we are needs to adjust a bit. You know, in life, huh, you get a bit of mission drift, don't you? And you get, posture drift. Has anybody had something wrong with a leg or your back or something? And so you begin to walk differently. And then that gives you another problem because you're now in a funny posture trying to do I did it with my throat once. I, I was having to speak to large audiences and I had a throat infection. So I didn't even know this. You don't just have vocal cords. You have false vocal cords as well. And I began to use a different part of my voice box and damage my voice box by doing things you could say in a wrong posture. Have I told you my golf lesson story? I'm terrible at playing golf, but I went for a golf lesson and the golf tutor said, so show me your swing. So, you know, I'm just glad I hit it. I hit it and it went straight. And then he said, yeah, well, all right. Then I, I, I think he should have signed a little form to do this, to be honest, but he began to manhandle me. He grabbed my butt. And he shifted my butt a little bit and shifted my foot an inch and shifted my arms and he got my fingers and moved them a little bit. Shifted an inch here, a centimeter there, three inches there. Man handled my body into a new posture. Then said, now hit it. I swung, hit it. It went twice as far. Small adjustments in your posture release immense amounts of power. I believe God is just kindly, the kind hands of God are just maneuvering us as a community into a new shape fit for the new day. And um, this is the thing that I believe God is doing. Um, when Jesus saw the temple in his day, he started to manhandle it. 
and he talked about, use my pictures here, okay, I know it's not literal language, but he talked about the posture. What was at the core of the temple? He got very upset about and said, that's wrong, that's wrong. And he quoted this scripture from Isaiah. And let me read you the whole bit, because he just said the underlined bit at the end. It says this in Isaiah 56, verse 6 to 7. Foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord. Anybody not a Jew here? Wave your hand. Come on, if you're not a Jew. Uh, all you Gentiles. There's probably just a couple of you that are one sixteenth Jew and go nuts for it, and we love it. Foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants. That's you. All who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it. That's a command for all of us. Maybe that's another message. Um, well, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Which of the other nine are you going to break? Right? Okay. All who keep the Sabbath, in other words, know how to rest and not idolize work, money, or busyness. Right? And who hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain. It's describing the church. And give them joy. Anybody need joy? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For, and this is the bit that Jesus said with a bit of anger in his, his eyes, he made that whip. He was being pretty aggressive. He was no nice chaplain in that moment. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. That's what we're supposed to be. A house of prayer for all nations. And I believe God looks at revive and all of our hard work and all the stuff that we've done. And has anybody needed some joy lately? You know, I've actually found the last seven years very, very tiring. And I believe God's coming to us and he's looking at my swing and he's looking at our swing and going, okay, but you can get a lot more power with some small adjustments. And I believe he's grabbing us. And this is, this is, when I say house of prayer, this is what I want you to, to grasp. Somehow we need to get the heart of our community and bring it right up to the throne of his grace and actually fall in love with Jesus more than anything else. It's so easy, so subtle in life, personal, corporate, church, all of it, to actually be driven by fear or ego or empire or comparison or just the culture of the age, the, the cultural water that we swim in, right? But what, what were the real guys doing? They, the early church, lived as a house of prayer. Now, you might not like the word prayer. You know, it's a bit heavy, right? And I, I think some of us have never quite fallen in love with prayer. So let me use different words. What about a place of encounter? What about a school of the spirit? What about um, a, 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 a nest where just prophecy and restoration and the presence of God does stuff? Somehow revive, we need to become a house of prayer for all nations. And I believe when we get the core of our posture right, everything else will follow. We're going to find so much more authority, power, peace, and, as it says, joy in the house of prayer. Um, now, let me talk about some of the practicals. What I don't mean is we're going to throw out a rotor and try and get everybody to put a slot on so we've got 24-7 prayer going on. How boring is that? Anybody? And, you see, sometimes in life, who knows that we can make a thing look good via a rotor, but it's no deeper than anything before. I mean, it does some stuff, but what I'm talking about is depth, not width. 
somehow, as a family, I'm not saying everyone in this room or online is expected to go to a house of prayer two days a week. What I'm saying is that somehow, somewhere, as a family, someone in the family needs to be standing before God, calling on his presence and his power and his blessing on the things that we do every day. That somehow those that are affecting education and law and medicine are not out there, troops on their own, fighting some battle, but rather they have air power. They have people that are fighting for them to bring power. Some of the great evangelists in the world have had massive prayer teams and sometimes very small ones behind the scenes praying over everything that they do. Anybody here felt a bit bashed about by life? And you kind of think, I need to get better? Well, maybe we need to get better. See, you might not be able to spend every day in the prayer room or even two days a week, but listen, there are some weirdos who will. Whisper to yourself, I need a weirdo. Right? You, you noticed um, it, with what's going on in Afghanistan and what, what's, what's happened in Afghanistan, one of the things that they said was that the Afghan army retreated and disappeared because the Allied air forces had gone. Every troop on the ground, think of you in your job as you try and bring the kingdom of God to wherever you work. Think of you on your street, you in your home. Every troop on the ground needs air cover. Need someone somewhere. We need to not, don't just prophesy over the pastor, prophesy over those teaching in a class. I know a Darren Andrews can't sit in a prayer room two days a week, but boy, I wish somebody was praying kingdom come over a Darren Andrews. Kingdom of come, protection, sending in prophetic words, having dreams from heaven, bringing guidance, saying, you can tell me anything in confidence. I will pray for you and hold you up. This is the day where we don't just pray for the preachers. This is where we pray for all of us that are bringing the kingdom to the world. It's time for us to pray for the educators. Let's pray for our doctors that miracles would flow through their hands. Let's pray for our business influence that millions would flow through their hands and see the kingdom of God come. It's time for us to transform the very shape. But we've got some bashed up troops on the ground because nobody is holding fort in a place of encounter and saying, God, will you bless? Some of us have got bruises that didn't need to happen because we weren't building according to the pattern. We need to call on God better. Anybody with me? Now, practically, what will it look like? Well, a little practical stuff of where we're going is certainly for quite some time, we're going to keep Sundays really simple. Um, as far as I'm concerned, in worship, the show is over. You can turn down the lights. Forget the five-piece bands and what about we just prayed and worshiped like the early church what about we had some glory in the room I think it's going to get raw more unsophisticated more spontaneous more just gutsy but we're going to keep Sundays really simple you know why because we've just exhausted ourselves for seven years seven years setting up taking down putting up backdrop trying to make the whole thing look pretty and I got a feeling that the early church didn't look that pretty but they had glory so I'm giving up one for the other I will not exhaust our teams. We're going to keep it simple. And, and I know, you know, like people are struggling to book in at the moment because we, we don't really want to fill the venues yet. And I think most people don't want us to yet. Um, uh, uh, so, but, so pray because we are trying to find a second venue for Hull. So we want basically a second venue this size so we can begin to just have more space for more people. But for now, certainly, we're going to keep this real simple. And church, we are going to slowly learn how to become a place of prayer, I would say eventually 
I would hope, seven days a week. But we're not even, don't, don't imagine that happening for a couple of years. Because it's not about speed of breadth. It's about slow depth. Let's learn to go deep together. And I know there's time limitations, but listen, on some of you there isn't. I know there are some people that are going to be retired and then give days every week to the house of prayer to pray for those of you that aren't yet retired, but who need to see the kingdom of God come into their world. Uh, the kingdom of God come for their kids. The kingdom of God come to their struggling marriages. You need prayer warriors. Some of you are gonna give up jobs to come to the house of prayer. I believe some people are gonna, are gonna come from other countries to give months into the house of prayer so that we can seek God. And I don't even, I don't even know if we'll call it a house of prayer. I don't care about the badge. I don't care about the name. It's just... Somehow we need to rebuild the tabernacle of David and have the glory of God moving. That's what we're all about. I've got to admit, we're not very good at the other stuff, but if the presence of God would be powerful among us, how remarkable would it be? So listen, I'm inviting you on a pilgrimage not to build a snazzy megachurch, but to be a people that know their God and do valiant deeds in the land as a family. So the show's over. We're going simple. We're going raw. We, 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 you know, I can't, I've got 10 minutes left. Let me just tell you a few stories about houses of prayer, what, it, what, what they do. House, a few years ago, a house of prayer was set up in Jerusalem. And uh, it's actually called, in, in Hebrew, it's called a tent of praise. Just see, I hope you get all the different feelings of this. So you don't think it's just about people turning up, reciting lists of all the things that are wrong with the world or with other. No, it's about encountering the glory of God. And being at his throne and seeing remarkable things happen. So they set up this house of prayer and began to slowly uh, spend more and more time just seeking God. I think they only started on like one session three hours a week is, is how it began. And um, it overlooks a valley. Now this valley is actually named, I think it's in Jeremiah. And it's a cursed place because it's where they used to, um, you know, back in biblical times, they would literally sacrifice children to to false gods in this valley. And so it was known as a cursed valley, it became a rubbish tip, became a place of witchcraft. It was an awful place where nobody really went. It was disgusting. But they began to pray over it and sing over it and worship God. Then they'd actually go out of the house of prayer down into the valley and they'd sit there in a little circle and just begin to sing. And at three to four years in, this valley slowly began to change. And with the changes that I'll tell you about in a moment, um, they decided, let's go into the valley because now there were even tour guides were even taking you to this place because it changed so much. So they thought, let's sneak onto a non-Christian uh, tour and see what they say about the valley. So they got into the group and, and followed them around. And this is what the tour guide said. He said, as you know, as Jews, we have always thought of this place as cursed. But the Bible does actually talk about a time when it will one day become holy again. And we think that time has arrived. Um, this used to be a real mess of a place. and We, we thought it was cursed because of the, the sacrifice of children in this place. But also there were never any birds here. Birds would not come near this valley. But three months ago, the birds returned. Wow. We believe the curse is lifted. And essentially that valley is now a place of trees and parks and children. And yes, birds in the trees. Now, we should know if we're Bible literate that lands can experience, places can experience curse 
and wickedness and all the repeated stories often go on in wicked ones in geographical areas. Have you noticed? Have you ever been in a room and you notice there's something here? Almost like strongholds can happen over an area. Did you notice when, when, when the Bible 2 Chronicles 7 talks about us praying and seeking God? It doesn't say that he'll, he'll bless his people or that he'll, 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 he'll touch the church. It says, I'll heal the land. Some, literally, there are physical, anybody live on a street that needs healing? Anybody live in a suburb that needs healing? Anybody live in a city that needs healing, that needs the hand of God to come and do something to do with the spiritual realm that we only barely understand 20% of, but we know this, that if we crack open the gate of praise and worship and thanksgiving and prayer, somehow angelic uh, protection is released. Somehow curses can be lifted and blessing come and literally lands can be be restored if my people pray. I believe we need to place nothing to do with a badge or even 24-7, but if somebody somewhere will plant a deep longing, a well of the glory of God in the middle of our region and call up to God and say, God, would you come and bless this land? I believe Hull could be transformed from one of the places with the lowest church attendance in the country to a place of revival. We have to do it. And let me tell you something, the Christian show will not do it doesn't matter how snazzy the bands get or how polished the stage looks. It will not welcome the kingdom of God to this region. We must seek God until he comes. We must find him. We must get our hearts before him. Some of you are waiting for breakthrough, but the depth of our spirituality would not blow the fluff of a peanut. We must learn to seek God. We cannot declare great visionary statements and think that they come without any sacrifice or time in his presence. The only way to that is this. It's the only way. There's no way to fake your way, declare your way, Sunday school your way, Sunday morning your way to it. So I'm a lot less interested in bums on seats on a Sunday morning. I'm not even going to count that metric anymore. I want us to meet God. Just in the, not in a boring way. If prayer's boring, we're doing it wrong. Even I don't like turning up to boring prayer meetings. But if we seek God and his spirit comes and we journey into the heart of heaven, well, all heaven could be released on the earth. Amen? Amazing things begin to happen when you set your heart to seek him. There's a prayer room being set up in Switzerland. And um, often, again, geography is really important. And God led this Swiss prayer leader to a very expensive apartment, but in a significant area of this Swiss town. And said to her, you need to rent that apartment. And this woman didn't have any money. And she knew it's a swanky apartment. It's very, very expensive. But God just would not let it go. So in the end, she kind of had a month's money and went for it. And she got in there. And this lady with no money, now giving her heart to prayer, was praying one day. And as she prayed about provision, she heard a flutter in one of the cupboards. She went over to the cupboard, opened it. In this new rented apartment, she may have never opened it before. And there in the cupboard was thousands of, whatever they're, euros, I suppose. Thousands of euros. Does Switzerland, what do they use? 
kroner, thousands of kroner, thousands of pounds worth of kroner, let's just put it that way. And she's like, uh, I mean, so she did all the right stuff. She checked with the police. She checked with the landlord, you know, what could this be? And nobody had a clue. So in the end, she spent it on rent. And then she was praying again uh, some, some, some days, I think it was, later. And again, she hears a flutter in the cupboard while she prays. She goes and opens it, and there's more money. So then she starts to tell her friends this unusual story. And literally, when they would come over for meals, they would go, can we look in the cupboard? And one time, a group of them were praying. And again, they just heard the, the paper sliding down the inside of the cupboard door, opened it, thousands of pounds worth of kroner. It happened, I think, four or five times. You see, when the membrane between heaven and earth gets thin, remarkable signs and wonders begin to break out. I've been in this atmosphere many times in my life. I've not been in it in recent years, which is why I'm saying, guys, we've got ragged, doing our best to follow God, but I just believe we need some course corrections here. When you cause the membrane between heaven and earth to become thin, Jesus has bought it all, but we need to press through. Right? We need to open the gate and step into his courts. Well, remarkable miracles. I remember being on mission again in this atmosphere, and we'd run out of money. We were in Africa. We'd run out of money, uh, had, no, had no money at all. We, we were getting a little bit of a tizwas, getting you know, a bit of argument about money, and then, well, why don't we pray? So we prayed, and we sought God. And this wallet that had had nothing in it, when we reopened it, it was, had a wad of cash in it. Anybody need miracles like that? Anybody been praying for healing, but the breakthrough hasn't come? It's not that God doesn't want to. I believe it's that we need to place our hearts in his presence. Remarkable signs and wonders. I, I've prayed for some people for healing, and boy, I've worked up a good sweat. Laura, would you just come and play just to remind me to finish off? Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I, I, I remember, um, oh, what was I saying? I lost my place there. I've just come back from Anglesey. I've got jet lag. That's what it is. Oh, I've, that's right. Yeah, you know, and I, this is what it's like when you're a Christian and you know his general presence, but you know you're not walking in full proper authority. You, you, you love God, but your heart is not in the court of heaven. You know legally you should be seated in heavenly places, but experientially you've not got there. So you know you're walking in a sense of religion, not relationship, if you're honest. That's when you call prayer boring. So, you know, I've grabbed some people, I've sweated, I've said Jesus in 17 different languages, I've prayed in tongues, I've prayed in Welsh, I've tried it all, nothing happens. But when the membrane becomes thin, I've been in so many meetings when you just point and the healing happens. That's what it's like. Been in meetings where I remember doing 10 nights of glory. <laughs> I, like, I like it when churches choose really cool titles because I've discovered that God sometimes reads the advertising and does what you've said. Sometimes he doesn't, but sometimes he does. Remember this lady with MS would come in every night and she just lay on the floor during every service. Ten days later, got up healed. How's about Jesus comes to church again? How's about we set the heart of our community right at the throne of God? Say, Jesus, more than anything, we want you. Just you. Don't even know what to call it but just you. Not about throwing out rotors. It's about those of us that can going deeper. And then I believe over time, more and more will be drawn in until 
the very heart of our posture is somewhere different. And then what you'll find, every troop on the front line, changing laws in other countries, Leone, transforming social services in other nations, some of you in education, some of you in medicine, some of you transforming politics, Rob. You'll find that when you're on the front line, there is a whole different grace and favor and protection on you. Why? Because we've positioned the family properly. That's the first thing we're resetting. We're not going to throw out 17 prayer meetings and nag everybody to come. Because I know, let, let's be real for a minute, there are some that are more called to this than others. Recognize that and drop the guilt. But we need those that are called to start doing it. Some of you come here and you lead worship, but you're really called to lead in a house of prayer. And it's in your heart. So when I talk, your pulse races a bit when I talk about it. But we need the Annas and we need the Simeons, I think his name was. When Jesus arrived on the scene, there were two people that recognized him straight away. One was a man called Simeon, and it says before the Holy Spirit had been poured out in Acts 2, it said of him, the Holy Spirit was on him, he was a devout man, and he recognized Jesus. Second was a lady called Anna, she was a widow. And the Gospels literally say she spent her days in prayer and fasting at the temple. And listen, while all the priests couldn't spot the Messiah, there he was, just a youngster, just a little, little baby. And Anna, people of the Spirit, the watchman on the walls went, there he is. That's him. You might not be a watchman, so a little bit of this just makes you feel guilty. Drop it. That's not the idea. But 20, 30% of you in this room are going, oh, yes, Jesus, get me on that wall. Get my, get my heart in the cause of heaven because I know I can do some stuff and I know I can protect some of the educators and the, the politicians and the business leaders. I know our community can see kingdom come if we join everything up and if we stand correctly. So revive, we're rebalancing, we're resetting. And over time, it's not going to happen in a rush. Over time, I believe people are going to say, I'm coming on the pilgrimage put me in the house of prayer some will do it a day a week for years some will go I'm giving two days some are going I've got three weeks I just want to come and give but let's expect a new culture of encounter to flow through our community and it will transform everything why because it's Jesus